Hi guys, and welcome to The Devonshire Diz, a Devonshire take on all things Disney. Today, join Lauren and I on episode 2 of our Flashback to Feb series as we walk through the gates of the Magic Kingdom. Let's get into it. Hi guys, thank you for joining us again. I'm here with Lauren. And we're going to be jumping in on all things Magic Kingdom. We visited Magic Kingdom a few times on our trip to Walt Disney World back in Feb. And we're going to focus on all of them and combine them into one episode. And give you a few of our thoughts, hints and tips for toddlers in the most magical place on earth. Let's start with getting back after all this time through the gates of Magic Kingdom. What were your initial thoughts in walking through, scanning your magic band and, and getting back into the magic? It was epic. The, our walk through the gates was a little bit different this time, though, because we didn't just head straight for the castle, did we? We got sidetracked by a five-minute wait for the infamous Mickey Mouse. We did, yeah. Yeah, we weren't expecting that the mouse was going to be situated straight through the gates underneath the railway bridge on the right-hand side in Town Square Theatre. We went there for rope drop. We were there a little bit later in the day, um, but we were still quite early, um, and there was a a pretty small queue when we went inside. Now, obviously, we're talking about a trip back in February 2022. I suppose the only downside to that initial meet and greet that we had was the fact we had to mask up when we went in to meet him and obviously you can run into a Mickey Mouse cuddle. It was behind a rope and unfortunately we did have to have masks on for the photos. It was a distance masked photo but it still didn't really take away from the magic when it was the first time of Penny meeting him. She was ecstatic even with a mask on and that mask was stretched as far as it could be. You could tell she was beaming underneath that mask bit of a shame for photos that you couldn't take off the mask there but the interaction with him even being from a social distance as it were at the time was still pretty epic we had a decent amount of time between us there they didn't rush us through and penny was over the moon of meeting mickey mouse for the first time yeah it was epic wasn't it you can never really tell when you know two or three year old is meeting a seven eight foot character that they've only seen on the screen it's the first time she's ever met like a character wasn't it It was first ever character meet and greet so we weren't really sure how she was going to react whenever we think of character meet and greets and toddlers i always think back of that old youtube video of the little girl who's sitting down at a character dining yeah crystal palace isn't it yeah that's it and um and she turns around, says hi, and then as soon as he comes towards us, screams her head off. And I was <laughs> anticipating that with ours. But luckily, no. Penny was, was happy to have a chat. As funny as that would have been for us. Oh, we definitely would have filmed it. Yeah, it would have been great. Definitely. It would have been YouTube sensations. That me. would have been our 18th birthday. <laughs> Keeping on the theme of character meet and greets, another really good meet and greet that I certainly would recommend to any princess fanatics out there would be the princess fairy tale hall meet and greet with the princesses in Fantasyland. yeah we waited a little bit for this one didn't we but she really wanted to meet rapunzel rapunzel was her one character princess that she really wanted to see wasn't it yeah we got really lucky that the two visiting princesses 
were Rapunzel and Tiana, and they so happen to be the first two princess dresses that we we bought for her. Yeah. So she was over the moon of seeing both of them. Again, really good interaction. They take their time. It was of a social distance at that point as well. Still good to see nowadays that you know everyone visiting Princess Fairy Tale Hall can have a cuddle as well as having a, a good chat, but it was a really good interaction. Penny was chatting away with both Rapunzel and Tiana. They all did little twirls, um, and we got some excellent photos as yeah, well. Yeah, it was really cute, wasn't it? I definitely recommend home there. Um, I think there's two sides. Cinderella. Cinderella's the home princess, is Aurora, or it might be Elena, actually, of Avalor. I think Elena might have been there when we, when we were there as a rotation princess mm. that you could meet. So there's certainly an opportunity to see all your favourite princesses there. Definitely recommended for any princess fans out there listening. Sticking with the characters, we also experienced for the very first time cavalcades. Mm-hmm. Cavalcades in place of parades. Parades in any form weren't back when we were there at Feb, but they did have frequent cavalcades that happened at multiple times of the day didn't really have a schedule at that point i think now there is show times for when they come along now that the parades have come back they were kind of every 20 minutes when we went weren't they every yeah 20 minutes half an hour so you had a, a decent opportunity to go and see these two different types of cavalcades throughout the day one of them was called mickey's celebration cavalcade and that was the main 50th anniversary one. That was basically a mini parade, wasn't it? That in itself was a mini parade, yeah. They classed it as the Iridescent 8 on the website. I was trying to think back of which characters we saw, but just to give you the lowdown, it was Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, Pluto, Chip and Dale, all in their Iridescent 50th anniversary outfits. Good homework. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, We got a hell of a lot of photos from that cavalcade, looking back at the snaps from our trip as well. They were really good at like interacting, even though it was they like f- seemed to fly by. They were really good at interacting from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the second one was named the Adventure Friends Cavalcade. This was my favorite. This one had a whole host of characters. Yeah, it was epic. The the really good thing about this one I found, apart from the soundtrack, which was awesome, was the variety of characters. Wasn't it the most characters in a cavalcade ever? I think I read somewhere. Yeah, it was the largest cavalcade. I think this essentially was the test run of getting parades back. Yeah. I think that was how they tried to handle that. And it did feel like a parade. It was really, really good. The variety of characters ranged from newer characters in Pixar. For instance, Miguel from Coco was front and centre for the cavalcade. But you also had Clarabelle. Yeah. It was classics and the newer films that came onto it. Yeah, and you also had an opportunity of seeing, say, for instance, Jasmine, so another princess was there. Mary Poppins and Bert were on the cavalcade as well. So it was a real variety. It was was really really interesting to see how they put that together. It was definitely the best one we saw, and it was probably the most fun one as well. Like The song was really catchy, and it felt more like a parade because everyone waited for it. And another great thing about the cavalcades in comparison to parades is you don't have to queue up for an hour and a half to see a cavalcade because they were so frequent, because they were so short. That certainly had a a different take on on seeing that sort of thing. That was a big blessing compared to previous years when we've done it, when we've had to queue or we've had to sit and wait for parades to get a good spot. 
Whereas this one, it didn't really matter where you were. You'd always have a good spot for it. It didn't matter whereabouts you were on like the parade route. You could almost just walk up and see them and then carry on for wherever you were going. And you didn't have to deal with the whole manic rush after it had gone past of like fighting your way through people to get to a certain area. It, everyone seemed to like to disperse quite quickly, didn't they? It didn't really interrupt like where you were getting to. Yeah, definitely. That said, did you personally miss having a three o'clock parade? No. I think the only thing you miss is the size and how elaborate the floats are, maybe, and the storytelling for a float. But you didn't miss the characters because there were so many of them. And they were so much more interactive, I thought. When you think of a parade, obviously, the, the main draw is seeing the characters, seeing the floats. And the cavalcade certainly aren't on the same scale as the floats that you would see on, say, a three o'clock parade down Main Street. However... Something else that you don't necessarily have of a cavalcade, I suppose, are the entertainers in between the floats as well. You didn't have as many dancers, the band in front of them, etc. You didn't you didn't have that sort of experience. However, like you said, the pro of having a quick cavalcade go past, you wave at the characters that you want to see and then move on to the next ride or next attraction that you're going to. It was really beneficial. You never had any disappointment that you were going to potentially miss it or not see a character that you wanted to see or your kid wasn't going to have a good view because there was too many people. There was none of that with the cavalcades. Yeah. Whereas I feel like with a parade, if you don't get a good spot or you get someone in front of you or you're next to a bin and you can't, your kid can't see around the bin from in the buggy, none of those Things were an issue for us, were they? No. And we stopped off at multiple locations from Liberty Square to around the hub, down Main Street as well. And it was always a good view. We managed to catch one as it was coming past when we were waiting for our Pico's Bills order, weren't we? Just outside of um, Country Bear. Yeah, yeah, in Frontierland. And again, that was just by chance that it came through. You never knew the times. And that was a really good spot to watch it as well. That's been a good spot historically for parades or, in this case, cavalcades, because they tend to start from, you know, just coming outside of Splash Mountain down Frontierland towards Liberty. So if you want to catch the beginning of a parade and not necessarily have it the cues of being on peak Main Street, then that's certainly a great location. Mm, We also stopped to see what the adventure cavalcade um, just across the bridge from Liberty into the hub. Yeah. That was great as well because you were unobstructed being so close to the bridge. So those two spots are good pointers yeah. for places to see, parades and cavalcades. I am glad that the parade has come back now and that they've also kept cavalcades. I think that's a good variety through the day for everyone to see their favourite characters. You just don't get the disappointment of ever missing it, do you, when you have a cavalcade? Because it's so frequent that you've got plenty of chances to see it. So now they've got the parade and a couple of the cavalcades still, you still get the chance to see those characters without having to wait or having a grumpy toddler that you can't sit on the side for an hour to wait for the main parade. Exactly. Okay, we've met some characters. We've seen some cavalcades. Now onto the rides. We did plan ahead on what we wanted to do, our must-dos. Shout out to Stacey. Yeah, must-do Disney. I think when you... Think about the planning and the pre-trip excitement. You're thinking, we're going to try and get on this ride at this point. We're going to try and get on this ride through the day. I think my biggest take 
from changing from an adult trip to now a family trip and taking a toddler in tow is we quickly realized when we went to the first couple of park days that the most stress-free way of getting through this would be to let the toddler plan the day when it came to rides. We were very optimistic about the rides we wanted to get on. We were very optimistic about how many rides we could get on in a day. And that was not even so much changed by how Penny felt, more so queue times. Because we knew that she wasn't going to wait any longer than half an hour for a ride. So instantly push Peter Pan out of the equation for pretty much every day we went because it was already a 90 minute wait when we got there. We didn't want to pay out for Genie Plus with the three of us because most of the things are kids rides and most of the things on the kids rides you don't actually need Genie Plus for. It was mainly just for things like Peter Pan or Haunted Mansion or the mountains. So I think we had quite a steep learning curve on the first day when we got there about how many rides we were going to be able to do in a day. And we reined it back in quite quickly, didn't we? And it helped us chill out a little bit, didn't it? It was it was so much more stress-free not having to worry about running from ride to ride or planning what ride was next. Yeah, I totally agree. We could have persisted with it and tried to fit in all your favourite attractions while also compensating for what Penny would like to ride, etc. And I just think it would have made such a manic experience that everyone will probably be in bed by six o'clock and and we probably wouldn't wake up until midday the next day. It would have been a little bit too manic. We didn't want to burn any of us out, did we? When we saw the wait times and the queues and the amount of people in the park, we almost just took an idea of we'll try and do three rides a day up until lunchtime see how we go with the times, see what Penny wants to ride. We've done all the rides, we know what they're like. And this experience was more as a family, not for what we wanted to do. So we kind of went with the idea that we'd all pick a ride each that we could all do, but Penny kind of dictated which one to go to first, didn't she? Yeah. Hence yeah. why we ended up riding Little Mermaid every time we went. Yeah, definitely a top three attraction for our penny yeah. was, was little mermaid let's go through the rides and let's go land by land let's go clockwise so adventureland we went to went up and down robinson's family treehouse that was pretty cool yeah. I, don't, I can't remember the last time i went up that treehouse i've never done it so that was a nice little walk through definitely just a nice chilled walk through nothing too strenuous we did it of an afternoon didn't we to get out of the like midday sun and it was a, a good shot because it was really quiet the views were immense yeah we got some good photos at the top especially yeah. at the castle if you're looking for your castle pics right at the top of the treehouse peeking through the branches that's a really good shot the views are amazing so we went up and down robinson's family treehouse also in adventureland definitely one of my favorite attractions that we went on and certainly one of penny's as well was heading into the enchanted tiki room yeah that was the first time i'd done that as well it was a surprising fan favourite of ours, wasn't it, in, in between our slot? She was obsessed with it, wasn't she? Especially for Penny and the toddler, because, you know, it does get dark. There's a lot of 
loud noises in there as well. Obviously, there's the volcano and the rainfall. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't been. So it probably could go one way or the other with a, with a younger child. But we were in there multiple times. Penny loved it. We listened to the soundtrack for probably about three months when we got home as well because she was that obsessed with it. It's not a bad soundtrack as well. It was great. So good to get on a OG attraction since it was the 50th anniversary that we were there. So that was really good. We move across to Pirates of the Caribbean. Again, another ride for a a youngster that could probably go one way or the other again. We're very lucky that Penny's a big pirate fan. And she's also a bit of an adrenaline junkie, isn't she? Even at this early age, she does like a thrill ride. She likes a ride that makes her tummy jump, doesn't she? So that was pretty perfect for her. And what we found out essentially from this trip is she will go on any ride as long as there's a boat involved. And she's happy to try every ride, isn't she? The, uh, the unknown doesn't really phase her when it comes to a ride. She will always try it once, which is a bit of a bonus. And that was good because Pirates of the Caribbean is definitely one of my favourite attractions in, in Magic Kingdom. Another great original ride at the 50th anniversary for us to enjoy as a family. Another good thing is we can all go on it as a family as well. It's not like you're stuck to two seats per row. It was The row itself on the boat was large enough for all three of us to sit together. Although I'm not sure I appreciated the song as much as the Tiki Room. Oh, that's a that might be an episode in itself of what's the best soundtrack. What to get stuck in your head. There's there's plenty in mm. the Magic Kingdom that gets stuck in your head, and there was plenty that was on repeat when we came back, and still is even to this day. That's true. We'll keep that for another episode, I think. We missed out on Aladdin's magic carpets, didn't we? Didn't get on the carpets, no. It was far too busy. Um, I... every time we went to go on it, it was probably about a forty-five minute wait. And she loved Dumbo enough that we didn't have to worry about the magic carpets because she liked going on Dumbo so much. That's right. Skipping over Liberty Square, which was a shame because I would like to have gone into Hornet Mansion with her and tested her out with that. But again, the revenge travel queues, wait times that we had there was, was pretty extensive back in Feb. So we didn't get in Haunted Mansion, but something to go back to, which is fine. So then we headed into Fantasyland. Probably the most time we spent, would you say, in Magic Kingdom as a, as a land in itself? Yes. Before we get to a ride, we probably have to give an honourable mention to the Tangled Bathroom. Yeah. Which we spent a decent amount of time just walking around the outside of, which seems strange to anyone who is listening to this thinking, why were you standing outside a bathroom? But actually the theming to that bathroom for anyone who's been there, they'll know is, is pretty epic. Rapunzel needs a ride. Definitely. Let's get Rapunzel a ride in the Magic Kingdom, please. Because that theming of that little area for just the bathrooms is ridiculously good. Fun fact, back in the day, the area used to be essentially the OG Skyliner. I think it was called the Skyway. That used to travel through Fantasyland and I think down into Tomorrowland. Oh, was that the station for it, was it? There was a station there. I remember... On multiple occasions as a child going there and being told by a cast member, sorry, it's broken down again. I'm glad I wasn't there for that. But actually, if you do look it up, it didn't look like the the shiny new skyliners of, of today. It was it was essentially a bucket on a wire <laughs> that took you from one land to the other. So I can see why it, it broke down. I don't think that one would have been for me. Back into present day, 
Small World, I suppose, has to have this mention, doesn't it, when it comes to Fantasyland? Yeah, because this was just as much her favourite as The Tiki Room and Little Mermaid. Speaking of soundtracks that get stuck in your head, we managed three goes before we had to tap out and say, unfortunately, this is time for the grandparents to take her in. Yeah, agreed. I mean, when when you think of Fantasyland, when you think of Disney, when you think of Magic Kingdom, you, you've kind of got to go on Small World, don't you? At least once. At least once. At least. The maximum was free. Yeah. Close to Small World, we actually went into Fill Our Magic, which was surprising for me that she didn't take to it as, as well as I thought she would. It would appear our daughter is not a fan of 3D. Yeah, and I've seen on, on various vlogs of, of different families who head out to Walt Disney World that seem, this seems to be commonplace with toddlers or young children that the 3d element sort of freaks them out a little bit and when you do think about it i suppose it shouldn't really be a surprise when you've got you know musical instruments flying towards you and loud noises etc she enjoyed parts of it but i think it was the size of some of the animation that probably was a little intimidating for her and yeah, through her a little bit. I'm not sure we'll get her back on it next time as quickly as we did this time. Yeah, I might need some bargaining. I but from my point on. of view, I thought it was great and I love the Coco update. The Coco scene was amazing. Definitely recommend anyone who's seen it before going again purely to see that scene. Also, it... from the last time we went in 2018, they updated the screens, hadn't they? Yeah. And it was so much more crisp and clear. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely had a bit of a touch up while the park was closed. And the addition of the Coco scene, which is nice and vibrant. Again, the music fits in the the whole story of it as well. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, always love that one. And Donald is always a fan favourite in our house. Donald will always be number one. Yeah. First ride we actually went on in Magic Kingdom is in the heart of Fantasyland, and that is the carousel. I haven't been on the carousel since I was close to Penny's age, I don't think. I've never been on that carousel in Walt Disney World or Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Never been on the carousel, so that was pretty awesome. And it's just as traditional as a carousel is over here, isn't it? But it's far more magical when it's behind the castle. Exactly. And this is becoming a common theme of the sort of attractions that we visited this time. There was a lot of nostalgia in the fact that we were going on rides that haven't been on in a long time and really changing our mindset to be back as a as a kid as the obviously the marketing and the thought of being back in Walt Disney World as you, you transform back into to childhood it really did feel like that with the sort of rides that we were going on yeah it was nice to act like a bit of a big kid wasn't it and run around with her for quite a lot of the like the kiddie rides as I call them definitely. the family rides definitely steering over to the left from the carousel we headed to the little mermaid again a multiple visit for us yeah she loved the little mermaid she loved everything about it from the queue to the clamshell chairs didn't she to every single part of the actual ride we got stuck didn't we on one of the visits in the aerial like singing dancing bit and i think we probably got stuck there for about 20 minutes didn't we and not once did she stop singing she absolutely loved it dancing in the clam yeah yeah, really, really good ride. Good music. Nice and vibrant. A lot of animatronics. Another hot take 
um, always look up, as they always say in Disney. And Penny looked up while we were in the queue and saw a Ursula squid hybrid. Like when yeah. she was transforming into her like octopus sort of theme. There's a, there's a really cool painting at the top of the ceiling when you're walking around the circular part of the queue. And, and for some reason... Our daughter is a huge Ursula fan. Yeah, always been an Ursula fan. She's a bit of a villains fan in general, but Ursula was always the one that she has loved. She got a keen eye for it because she spotted it in a fairly dark spot of the queue, and I I didn't notice it until she was you know tugging on my shoulder saying, "Look up, look up." Yeah, no, definitely not. Okay, we've been on Little Mermaid multiple times. We said hi to King Triton, who's outside, opposite the ride. Make sure you get your snaps with King Triton. And then we're over to Storybook Circus, and we went on Dumbo. We did. That's actually the first time I've ever been on Dumbo as well. Was it? First, yep. first ever Dumbo experience. Yeah. Wow. This is coming from someone that doesn't appreciate heights. So Very true. Rides that go up in the air are not my speciality. You were brave. You, these, you did well. You do these things for your kids, don't you? You did very, very well. Uh, we were all squeezed into one as well, which was interesting. I was fully expecting to be on a different Dumbo. Yeah. But hey, it was it was snug. It was snug and it was more fun. Exactly. And the key thing about the Dumbo attraction is the new addition to having a soft play area in the middle of the queue. Yeah. That was an absolute game changer. I think our queue was probably about half an hour, 35 minutes. And we essentially got about 10, 15 minutes in. And then thought, oh, we'll dip into the soft play, let her run around. She's been stood in the line for a bit. I think we spent about 20, 25 minutes in the soft play. She has to go and run some energy off, didn't she? So we quite happily took the opportunity to sit down and let her run around with all the other kids. And by the time she'd run around 10, 15 minutes, the queue had completely gone and we basically walked onto Dumbo. Yeah, yeah. So that 35 minute queue ended up being essentially 15, 20 minutes with a little play in between. It was it was really, really good. Yeah, it was good. It was That was a, a bit of a piece of magic that we didn't realise probably till second to last time we went to Magic Kingdom, did we? Yeah. Another good addition to that Dumbo section is the fact that there is two running attractions of Dumbo. It's... Gets through a queue really, really quick. Yeah. But it is a famous ride in the Magic Kingdom in Fantasyland, so a lot of people do go there. So there's always a queue. And you always forget that there's two. So there's two sides, which I completely forgot about until we actually got out into the queue to get on the ride. But hence why it goes a bit quicker when they open up both sides. Yeah. Yeah, you got to go on Dumbo. It's a bit like Small World. you got to go on Dumbo. We basically did all the classics, didn't we? We did. Which was very apt, given it was the 50th anniversary. It was. Speaking of classics, after the Dumbo ride, let's move on to Mad Hatter's Teacups. How many times did we do that one? I think we did it once once with Penny. And then the grandparents attempted to. However, it broke down when they were one of the closest people to getting on the ride, wasn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, that's true. Hey, it happens. We've all been there when we're just about to get on the ride and for some reason there's a technical difficulty and we have to skip that for another day. But no, we did it once. It was good fun. They were right at the front of the queue as well, weren't they? Yeah. But it was good to do it the once. Yeah, she loved it. Got dizzy. Felt a bit queasy, but it was good fun. Yeah, it was good. That's also the first time I've been on that one. Ah, see, there you go. A lot of firsts for me this trip. 
Really, that's because we're usually pushing you to go on. It's because you're usually throwing on a roller coaster instead. That's it, exactly. Before we leave Fantasyland, another good recommendation was heading over to Pete's Silly Sideshow area. Again, I think this is probably more of a phasing back in from the pandemic and the reopening, but actually it was just a really nice quiet spot. It was a good quiet spot for him to run. Obviously, Pete's Silly Sideshow is an area where you were able to go and meet the characters. The characters weren't in the big tent at the time of us heading over there. So they essentially just put a load of tables and chairs out. And it was a really good place just to chill out for a couple of seconds, maybe take in some water and just let her run about a bit. We went and got food one day, didn't we, and took it back over there because it was really quiet. It was a really peaceful place to sit. And Penny could run for it if she wanted to, to get some energy out. Yeah, and you've got Casey Jr.'s Splash Zone, which is also there. Again, the water at the time when we were going wasn't on, but that whole little area was just a place where loads of kids could go and burn off some energy yeah. or just sit down and sit in the shade because the big top was open so they can just chill out for a couple of seconds. And I think we did that and we found a spot in every park of just an area where you could just take five, take ten and just chill out for a second also the toilets over there were really quiet weren't they so that was an added bonus because toilet tip there was nothing open over there so no one really went over there so that was a bonus yeah good tip when it comes to to lose try and find one which isn't in the middle of the hustle and bustle having to queue with a toddler in toilets is not a fun place to be heading away from the lose and into tomorrowland First thing that we came across is the Tomorrowland Speedway. We allowed a toddler to drive. Yeah, and again, they crammed all three of us into one car, which was even more interesting than Dumbo. Again, very snug. Probably a bit safer having us all squished into one when you've got a toddler at the wheel. We all had a bit of cushion when we bumped into the side every time, didn't we? Yeah, she definitely embraced the toddler way of driving when you just grab the wheel and go from one side to the other. It was it was a bumpy ride, but bless her, she enjoyed herself. Again, that was my first time on that one. Another one? Yeah. Another really good area to go and see the progress of what will be the latest attraction in Magic Kingdom when it finally opens is Tron. Yeah, it was really interesting to see it from the Speedway track. It's been really good to see the vlogs recently, seeing how far that's come and... and getting excited for test runs and, and the lights all showing. It obviously was a little bit less constructed at the time that we went, but it still had the canopy up, didn't it? It looked yeah, pretty cool. it was cool. good. It was really interesting to see. Once we got over the bumps, we went on something a little bit more smoother. Toddler not at the wheel this time. We went on the People Mover, which is a personal favourite of mine. We did that a couple of times, didn't we, in the end? It's just a great ride. It's just a great ride. Again... No frills, very quick on turning around people. And and yeah, you get to see some behind the scenes of Buzz, etc. It's a great ride. It's good people watching as well. Very good people watching from the highway in the sky. And before we leave Tomorrowland, we should probably mention our date ride. Child free choice. When the grandparents kindly took the toddler on the teacups, we headed to Buzz because you need a little bit of competition in your life. Yeah, let's not talk about who won that one. Putting it down to lack of practice. Needless to say, neither of us made 
Galactic Hero. No, and I'd seen the vlogs before about how we get all the nines, but I just I just didn't get that close. Didn't get that close. The target was off. We need to brush up on our strategies to do that. We do. I think we've covered all of the rides, haven't we? Yep, we've seen all the characters. We've been on all the rides. Let's talk about what we did when the toddler crash inevitably happened and Penny fell asleep in the stroller. So we weren't expecting her to nap at all, were we? We thought that she'd have major FOMO, not want to nap, want to be on the go all the time. But as it turned out, we had the complete polar opposite. And every day, come bang on one o'clock, she was grumpy and tired and basically fell asleep within five minutes of us laying her down in the buggy. I think that's a really good tip when it comes to toddlers. I've spoken to a few families who have been over to Walt Disney World and mentioned that they didn't take a stroller and they powered through. Hats off to you if you're able to do it and, and hats off to the to the child if they're able to keep going. There's probably an element of sugar in there, I guess. But it, it really was a lifesaver to be able to pop her in a stroller, lay her back, let her have a little snooze. And also from an adult perspective as well, your your mind is charged on ensuring that your toddler is experiencing the max when it comes to your day at the park. Sometimes it's nice to have the toddler have their little respite and and for the parents to maybe hold hands and have a little stroll themselves. It's an hour's respite for us, wasn't it, to have to think about where we had to go next or what food we had to put in her or do we need to stop and have a drinks break or when's the next toilet break? Whereas... We kind of took the hour to explore, didn't we? And for our Magic Kingdom days, we left the park, didn't we, for, for every day? Went on a little walk around the resorts, didn't we? We did. Again, speaking of first, and it's a episode of first by the sounds of it, we exited the park and went right over the new walkway to the Grand Floridian. Which was really good. It was actually a hell of a lot closer than I thought it was going to be as well. What was the distance? Probably about a 20-minute walk? Yeah, if that... And get... it took you right into the centre of Grand Flo, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the first time that I've ever been to Grand Floridian. Always a place that I want to visit, definitely on the bucket list of somewhere I'd like to stay, being a DVC member. But I loved it. I loved just that walking around the grounds in the Grand Flo. On one occasion, we stopped outside one of the cafes and got ourselves a drink while she was napping and looked over the water to the castle. It was a lovely view there. Yeah, I think that was the second time, wasn't it, as we did our little stop and got a beer stop outside the Grand Floridian Cafe, looking over all the boats. Yeah. And did the monorail back, didn't we, that time? Yeah. And I think the time before that, we walked straight through, didn't we, on to Polly? Yeah, she had a decent nap that day. And had a we had a bit of a tour of the Polly, which was really good. Yeah, walking through to the Polly was good. Again, another resort I've never stayed at, but certainly would like to in, in the future. It was really busy as well, wasn't it, when we walked through? The Polly seemed to be more busy than Grand Floridian when There's we walked through. definitely a very different buzz, isn't there, about Polly compared to Grand Flow? I think the theming for the Polynesian is probably more style that I would like to enjoy, but you can't get away from the grandness of the Grand Floridian when you're walking through it. It does feel very grand, doesn't we, it? We always said that if we could stay at the Polly, we'd want to stay in the Moana room, though, didn't we? Mainly for the Penny being a Moana child. Definitely would like to stay in one of those rooms in the future, for sure. But you can't get away from a theme park view of a ground flow room as well. Another thing I really liked about the Polly is the entrance. Yeah. The entrance is 
gorgeous when you're walking through. We managed to avoid most of the construction, didn't we, when we went of doing the monorail station. So we got got quite lucky with that that we got to see it in its old school state, which was good. A really good shop as well. Really good shop. It was that. a good shop. They had lots of great merch. Once we had a little look around, we hopped back on the monorail. That was our first welcome back to monorail travel. It was. Definitely my favourite mode of transportation in Walt Disney World. I'm not the biggest fan, but again, I don't do heights, so being that high up in the sky isn't my favourite. It was probably better than walking back at that point because it was peak day, and even though it was February, it was still getting pretty warm out there. And with a hangry toddler at this point. Oh yeah, the toddler was ready for food, and that would tie us very nicely. Well done. Thank you. On to restaurants that we tried within the Magic Kingdom. So we're back through the gates, we're back into the Magic Kingdom, and we stopped for places to eat. So the restaurants that we experienced in the Magic Kingdom all were quick service. And they were all for lunchtime. And all really good. I think every meal that I experienced in the Magic Kingdom personally was really good. Yeah, I don't think we had a bad meal. And considering the price of food had gone up at that point as well, so the meals weren't exactly cheap. But we did a bit of a old school trick, didn't we, where we bought an adult's meal and a kid's meal. And we shared it between the three of us. Or we bought two kids' meals, which A, saved the money and B, meant we weren't wasting a load of food on big portions. Because as we know, the adult portions are fairly big and quite a lot for one adult normally. So yeah, we managed to do that for a lot of it, didn't we? Yeah, I think it's a good tip to look into kids meals if you're trying to you know do disney on a budget or you don't have a massive appetite back in the day that it was it was a lot harder to purchase a kids meal for an adult because you had to go to the till and request it at that point with mobile ordering there is essentially no one checking that you have a child with you it's my biggest biggest tip is to mobile order it saved us so much time it saved us so much queuing and it was just so much easier to plan. Even just with one day, I think we literally mobile ordered like 15 minutes before we wanted food, didn't we? And it was still done within the 15 minutes. And then yeah. we just walked straight in, grabbed our food and managed to find a seat. I think it was in Cosmic Rays, wasn't it? Yeah. We got really lucky with that one. But even like with other days, like when we got the monorail back from Polly, didn't we? I mobile ordered on the monorail to get a Dole Whip for when we got back into Magic Kingdom. And it was so easy. And the queues around the restaurants and the quick service areas. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't mobile order if you have the opportunity to do it. And mobile a... order is so easy to do if you have Google Pay or Apple Pay, isn't it? Because it's all just linked. We did it by a gift card, didn't we, this time? Which we thought was going to be the easiest way, but actually was a little bit more tricky because we had to put the gift card in every time, didn't we? But it was easier to track spend. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably another key point for anyone who's going to Walt Disney World who hasn't been for a, a long time. A, utilise mobile ordering. B, find an electronic method of payment to add to your My Disney Experience account in order to be able to do mobile ordering. And also for merchandise, just to save the queues in merchandise. We opted for exchanging cash and then using a certain amount of cash to buy a gift card, adding that gift card to the My Disney Experience app, and then paying electronically for food and merchandise. 
like you say, there are a lot of other alternatives to do so. Some people have bank accounts where you don't get charged per transaction for overseas payments or online banks such as Revolut, which a lot of Disney goers tend to use from the UK, which don't give you transaction fees. They're probably recommended. They're probably a lot easier as well because the issue we had with the gift card was every time we had to put the number in, didn't we? Whereas, obviously, if you've got a card linked to your Google Pay that you can just link to your Disney experience, you don't have to do any of that. You literally, you put your order in and click pay now and it's done. So we just added an extra step effectively just because we were kind of budgeting, weren't we? I think I'd still use a gift card in future, but probably not for, for food ordering, probably more for merchandise, for monitoring spend that way. Yeah, it's a good way of monitoring spend, mainly because once the gift card is done, then it's up to you whether you top up and how much you top up. There's no limit to what you can top up and... It's a good way of keeping in check, I suppose, if you have older children who want to go out and experience their own meals or buy their own merchandise. Or even if you have like a six or seven year old who's been given money for Christmas and you want them to have a little bit of freedom. Plus, if you're someone who likes collecting merchandise and quirky items from their Disney trips, then the gift card designs were pretty cool. Yeah, it was. was We had a 50th anniversary one and I think we've got one or two of them. There'll be a memento for years to come. It was good. Back onto the food once we've done our mobile ordering. Here's some of the restaurants that we experienced when we were in Magic Kingdom, starting off at the Columbia Harbour House. I was surprised it's the first time I've, again, first time I've been in this restaurant, and I thought it was really good. Mm, it was good food. More seafood based than, than some of the other restaurants. Um, we opted for what was called a trio platter which essentially had shrimp battered fish, chicken strips, hush puppies, and a drink. And all of that was ample for at least the two adults, wasn't it? Yeah, Penny dipped in as and when she wanted a bit, didn't she? But it was really tasty food. Really, really good. Really hot, really fresh. I would, I would recommend Columbia Harbour House. I've seen many people recommend that's one of the best quick services in Magic Kingdom. There was on. loads of seating in there as well. Yeah. Because they had a downstairs and upstairs seating, didn't they? And it's in a location that you probably wouldn't necessarily go to. That's, I've certainly walked past it on many of occasions and never really noticed it. Yeah, I'd never taken any notice that it was there. Mainly because you're, you're steering right to go to the Haunted Mansion as opposed to going into a restaurant. But yeah, definitely a recommended quick service if you're going for lunch. Columbia Harbour House. Agreed. Heading into Frontierland, we went to Pecos Bills. Yeah, which we wanted to try because we're big Mexican fans, aren't we? Yes, yes, 100%. (laughs) And this was the beginning of another top tip when it came to food. For anyone who is travelling within this 50th anniversary time period, I don't know how long it's going to last for. But a lot of the quick service restaurants were doing a special deal called the 1971 meal, which all came to $19.71. But it came as like a package meal, didn't they? Yeah, it was really good. We tried three of them. And I thought they were all really good value for money. And they were all really tasty food. So they all came with a main as such, two sides, a drink, 
and usually a cake pop and um, we liked all of them that we tried didn't we we tried the one in Pecos Bills and we tried another one in Cosmic Rays yeah the Pecos Bills one I believe was beef nachos it came with a side of rice we had an orange and then we had the chocolate cake pop which was awesome and a freestyle drink wasn't it and that's it and between us again that was that was ample yeah it was a lot of food it was a lot of food um, really tasty, really warm, really busy. It was very busy in there. Really busy. It's we definitely struggled one of the to popular get, ones. We struggled to get a seat, didn't we? Really, really busy. So bear that in mind. That no, it, Not as much seating in there at all. No, and it is in a popular area of the park, being so close to Splash and Thunder and Country Bears around the corner as well. We didn't mention Country Bears, did we? No, because we did go and see Country Bears as well. Poor Country Bears. Oh. Shout out to Country Bears. Shout out to Country Bears. That was another first time for Penny. First time for you? Yep. And, and, and it was a traditional. And it was a long time coming in for me. It was really, really good. Love it. Love the music. Penny really enjoyed it. She thought it was hilarious. I, I don't know if she understood what she was laughing at, but she, she certainly was laughing and enjoying it. I think she just thought the bears were hilarious. And then, of course, all the bears were outside on the balcony afterwards as well so mm-hmm. she was giving them a big wave apologies for forgetting you bears but it was a great attraction yeah i feel a bit bad for the bears now shout out to the bears and yeah pecos bills great food just definitely a lot busier than columba harper house another place we ate on our travels through the magic kingdom was fry's nook oh yeah i nearly forgot about that one this one was a little bit more of just a, a quick bite stop off wasn't it this was the one where we took it and ate it in Strawberry Circus. That's right. And we, at that point, went for a kid's meal. Under $8. It was Tots. Yeah. Which you had a bit of an obsession with. Yeah. They're great. I don't know how I lived my life without them before. Tots with cheese sauce. And I believe we got the kid's option, which then came with an extra side and a drink, all for under $8. Yeah, it was a bargain. If you're looking for a quick bite on the go, then... Certainly something along the lines of that at Fry's Nook is definitely recommended. It's a good little share if you're after a light bite, wasn't that? 100%. We tended to stock up on breakfast, didn't we, before we left the room in the morning. So lunch never tended to be a huge meal for us, did it? That's right, yeah. Into Tomorrowland, we tried Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe and we had a front row seat for Sunny Eclipse. Never been in there. And... There was a lot of seating, but it was very busy again, wasn't it? It is again. It's a bit like Pecos, that it's a very popular area for a quick service in Magic Kingdom. I think back to trips that I've had throughout the times of going to Walt Disney World, and I think that's probably the most consistent restaurant in Magic Kingdom that I've been to. But again, we utilised the 1971 meal there for $19.71. That came with a barbecue chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah, this one was really good as well. The Waltz chili cheese fries, which were epic. Yeah, they were. Again, a 50th cake pop and a soda. And I think I got a strawberry lemonade with that one, and that was epic as well. Really, really good place. Again, that mobile ordering was really quick. It was just busy to get a seat from what I remember. Yeah, I remember we got the notification to say that our food was being prepared, and then it was trying to get in and find a seat in time for it being ready but we got really lucky a family was leaving and like i said front row seat for sunny it was good i like that one 
So that's our key recommendation when it comes to restaurants is, especially in, in this time, is having a look at the deals that they have on the menus and especially the 1971 meals if they're about. Another restaurant we visited as a bit of a early tea prior to the fireworks was Pinocchio's Village House. Which was a bit of a surprise as well, to be fair. Really, really good decor in there. And it was huge. There was so much seating in there. And they let us sit down before our mobile order was ready, didn't they? Which, yeah. again, was a bit of a bonus. Not a lot of them let you do that. A lot of them will check your mobile order to make sure it's ready to let you in to get a seat. Because you get people that go in and take their own food in. And they were a bit of a no-no about that, weren't they, when we went? I don't know if that was mainly due to the time and the amount of limited seating that was allowed because of social distancing, etc. I don't know if that's still a thing at the moment. It should be a thing because it made it a lot easier to navigate through the restaurant in comparison to busier times of yesteryear. Yeah. The food in Pinocchio's Village House was really, really good. We had a pepperoni flatbread and a cheese flatbread and shared it. And we had a nice view overlooking the entrance to Small World. Yeah, which kept Penny entertained for the whole time, didn't it? While she was eating her munching on her flatbread. Waving to everyone going past on the small white boats. Yeah, if you're looking to go into Pinocchio's Village House with a toddler, definitely have a look for a window seat if it's available. Mainly, as you say, just to have them waving at everyone heading past in the boat before they go into the small world tunnel. She got a fair few waves and she was absolutely loving it, as well as enjoying her pizza as well. The people love waving at her, didn't they? She was so happy about like getting the waves off of people. It was a good way of killing some time before inevitably getting to a spot for the fireworks as well we spent a decent amount of time just again relaxing getting some food before heading over to main street for the fireworks yeah it was a good shout before we talk fireworks we've got to talk dole whip oh yeah so this was a first for us we'd never tried dole whip before this trip i always just assumed it was ice cream i'm not gonna lie we were so wrong it's ice cream with a level up isn't it it really is good it was amazing so two locations that we visited aloha isle which is essentially the next door neighbor of the tiki room and that one was really busy when we went wasn't it that was the main reason i think why we were put off going to magic carpets because the combination of the exit crowd of tiki the queue for aladdin and then also everyone mobile ordering to get their dole whip it was just a very busy area at the time that we went. It was a bit mad, wasn't it? However, it was certainly worth mobile ordering. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. we mobile ordered heading into the park. It was ready by the time we got there. We could just navigate through the busyness of the people, head to the pickup point. I think both times we mobile ordered from the monorail for our Dole Whip. It became a bit of a habit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was great. So the first time we sampled Dole Whip, we went for the pineapple and the coconut at Aloha Isle. Mm. Definitely my take. Coconut wins out. See, I was a pineapple, but Penny was very much a coconut as well, wasn't she? Coconut was lovely. To be fair, the pineapple also was really, really good, but for me, the coconut edged it. Our second stop for Dole Whip was the Sunshine Tree Terrace, which is closer to the Robinsons Family Treehouse. Yep. We stopped off there. We tried the strawberry and the orange one. Yeah. And we also took a certain orange bird home with us as well. Yes, we did. I think the orange one certainly had mine. I preferred the tautness of the the orange in those two. I think we were all an orange fan. 
The strawberry was good, but the orange was one was great. It was quite sweet, wasn't it, the strawberry one? Really, really sweet, yeah. I took the opportunity to go and get the Dole Whips while Penny took Daddy on to the Tiki Room ride at this point. But me being me didn't work out my timings very well and ended up sitting outside the Tiki Room for about 15 minutes with melting Dole Whip and little birds around me. So that was quite stressful. Luckily, it didn't melt enough for us to enjoy it when we got out. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have to have put another order in. Yeah. Out of the four flavours, what would you go as your number one? Would you say pineapple? Orange or pineapple for me. Ooh. Mm. Mine was definitely the coconut. I would pay the money to head back into the park purely for that coconut dole whip. It was immense. Just a note for everyone listening, we didn't swell them. We weren't brave enough to swell them this time. Did not swell. We, we will tackle that next time. Maybe we'll mix it up next time. How would you say dole whip now after experiencing that for the first time? compares to other Disney snacks, let's say the traditional Mickey bar and, and popcorn. Would you Ooh. say Dole Whip is is now an elite snack in your eye? Ooh. Can you compare Dole Whip to popcorn? I mean I'm not a massive Mickey Bar and Mickey Sandwich fan, I know, unpopular opinion. Sorry everyone. So Dole Whip probably edges it on those two for me. But I do like Disney popcorn. It sounds like we've got a bit of a debate going. So for anyone who is listening, where you are listening or on our Instagram page, give us a comment. Let us know what your favourite Disney snack is. If it's Dole Whips, let us know which is your favourite flavour. And I hope you're all Team Coconut. We've got a lot more flavours to try the next time we go. Definitely. Okay, we're stocked up with food. We've had our snacks. We've seen all of our favourite characters. We've been on rides. We've had an epic day. There's only one way to finish a Magic Kingdom day, and that is to watch the fireworks. Are you going to say the shopping? The shopping, that's that's maybe your favourite <laughs> end to the day. But you can't finish a Magic Kingdom day without seeing the latest firework display. This time it was Enchantment. Now there's been mixed reviews, shall we say, with Enchantment from what we've seen on various vlogs and other outlets when it comes to Walt Disney World. We haven't seen Happily Ever After. Really sad to miss Happily Ever After, aren't we? Which seems to be the the favourite amongst a lot of people that we've seen. Good to hear that it's coming back because it's something that we haven't experienced, so hopefully next time it will still be around so we can experience that. We were huge Wishes fans. Yeah. Always got the feels. But... This time around, it was Enchantment. What did you think of Enchantment? I really liked it. Really, really good. But it has been a while since we've seen fireworks, so maybe we were just in the moment of just Disney fireworks in general. But I really liked the added projections down Main Street. I thought that was a really good addition. We stood Casey's end of Main Street, so we could see the projection, but we could also still see the castle really well. So we really liked the projections. It also gave Penny something to focus on. She's never been great with the loudness of fireworks so the projections took her mind off of the firework noise quite well didn't it yeah definitely it was very light and vibrant down main street with the projections it was not like you're stood in darkness with loud bangs happening now you're immersed around a lot of lights um, and a lot of things to focus on so there were times i actually noticed that she was looking at the the buildings down main street as opposed to looking at the castle and and the fireworks and that's fine that's what she was enjoying the projections are always epic on the castle. 
Nothing will ever beat the projections on the castle for me. It was such a good addition. I remember the first time I was seeing projections on a castle it was actually Disneyland Paris, where they did a projection show within their main firework display. And then when Wishes came around, I believe when we went back in the day, it was a projection show and then it was Wishes. And then they combined the two together on the separate trip that we went to. Mm. And I think that combination of having a musical score, projections and fireworks just works so well. Makes it way more emotional. And I think that was actually something that I took away from Enchantment that I've seen a lot of people were having problems with. I certainly felt the emotion of that. I thought the music was was great. Maybe we had toddler tinted glasses that the fact that it was Penny's first Disney firework display and that hit us in the feels a little bit more than other people. Maybe slightly, but I still thought it was a really good like display. You just can't beat a Disney firework display, can you? We said there were, we thought there was a lot more pyrotechnics this time than there was in Wishes. Like there was a hell of a lot more fireworks. Yeah, especially the ending. The ending was was epic, wasn't it? Yeah. Of enchantment. Remember Wishes, obviously, Grand Finale was really good, but Enchantment was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I would certainly recommend standing a little bit further back. I know, obviously, in times before, we would tend to try and get into the hub to experience the projections up close and see the fireworks, but actually, when you've got projections running down Main Street, you kind of want to be within Main Street, and actually it helps on escaping the park as well afterwards. I was going to say, I don't think you can stand in the hub these days with a toddler and then expect to get out easily because there's just no easy escape as though when you're in the main hub watching the fireworks to get out. I'll get out after the fireworks was super seamless really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. From what I recall, we essentially just turned around and followed the flow out. We got very lucky that Saratoga Springs bus wasn't too crazy got there one had just left and we were like oh we've just missed it but actually there was one right behind it it came straight away didn't it so we were one of the first people on there and with a toddler there's nothing better than seeing an empty bus that you can pick a seat and cuddle up with her for a little snooze before she gets home that really helped mm. we weren't home too late after that were we which was a bonus because we've waited hours before, like in previous years for a bus and that was our experience of magic kingdom it was an epic park, wasn't it, for a toddler? It is the traditional fantasy day, isn't it, when it comes she to Magic Kingdom? everything about it. There's so much to see and do from toddler to us. Just walking around the place is an experience, let alone the rides, the food, the cavalcades, the meet and greets. I could just walk around there with Penny and just take in what she was seeing one thing that we haven't mentioned was that turn onto Main Street and seeing the castle for the first time, as expected, instantly teared up as a parent. She gasped. Just seeing how excited she was at seeing something that we had shown her on the TV screen for so long and saying, oh, we're going there. And then being able to be in that area, take your photos down Main Street. It was epic. Yeah, it was really good. Can I mention the fact that we bought a Wishables every time we went to Magic Kingdom and how I've now perfected the squeeze of the bag to work out which toy is in the bag? And Wishables was certainly something that we had our eye on. 
We didn't actually buy much else from Magic Kingdom, from what I remember, apart from Wishables. Wishables and gift cards, I think, are the only two things. We bought the 50th Wishables, didn't we? It was it was an experience in itself. We started off just buying the ones out of the bag, didn't we? Because us being naive to Wishables, being our first time where Wishables were on sale, just thought that they came out of a bag and you picked them up in the stores until we picked two up and figured out that we saw the bag and you have to buy them in a blind bag. So it was all a potluck lottery as to which character you were going to rip open each time. But you got a bit of a knack to it. And actually, we only got stung once, didn't we, for a duplicate? I don't think I've ever been so excited to pick up a bag and squeeze it to see what's inside. So rewinding all the way back to the initial cavalcade, the Iridescent 8, the wishables for the 50th anniversary are essentially small plushes of Disney characters and the series that we started collecting was the iridescent ones. So it was Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, Pluto, Chippendale, all dressed up in what you would have seen on the cavalcades for the 50th anniversary. But it was only Mickey and Minnie you could get out of the bag. And on the bag, it had everyone apart from Chip, I believe. Yeah, Chip was the secret one. Chip was the secret one. So... Chip and Dale were obviously the last ones that we had to buy. And we literally managed to get everyone else, didn't we, without getting a duplicate. Yeah, which yeah, I'm very time. I'm very proud of, by the way. And it was the last one, wasn't it? It was the last day. Yeah. And we had to get a chip to finish the collection. Yeah. And you got quite lucky with the final one. The first bag we opened was Dale, wasn't it? So I got a bit sad at that point. And then we opened the last bag and it miraculously managed to be Chip. To which I then celebrated in the middle of the main street about opening the bag to a Chip and everyone just kind of stared at me blankly, didn't they? <laughs> I think a lot of people understood how excited you were from finding the, the final piece of our Iridescent 8 collection. It had to be done. And as you're sure to hear, we did visit numerous shops in numerous areas of Disney, including all four parks and Disney Springs. So stay tuned for Lauren's updates to Disney merch throughout our Flashback to Feb series. I don't know what you're trying to say. I thought I was very reserved with my merchandise. Thank you. We had to buy a second suitcase, which was a spoiler alert. The second suitcase is a piece of merchandise in itself, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, thank you kindly for those who made it to the end with us and for listening to our most recent dive back into the Magic Kingdom. It was a whole lot of fun, such a joy to experience as parents for the first time, and I hope we have shared some thoughts and opinions that will help in a small way for anyone heading back to MK soon. If you have enjoyed this discussion, please can you like and rate this episode wherever you are listening to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you all, and especially intrigued to see which Dolwit flavour turns out to be the winner amongst us. We'll be sharing more snapshots, hints and more Disney related content on our Instagram page at Devonshire underscore Diz. So please give us a follow and say hi. Thank you once more and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. <laughs>